Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Students here in Accra and around the world, this is Joy News, and welcome to the Monday's edition of the Pulse. We're well, coming up in today's edition. Chairman of the Mines and Energy Committee, Atachia, says controversy as he alleges there are attempts to run down strategic mobilization Ghana Limited. We have details as the committee visits to the company as it commences investigations into the government's contract with SML. As the nation eagerly awaits President Akufuado's State of the Nation address tomorrow, we hear the expectation of the business community as we engage the Ghana Union of Traders ahead of the presentation tomorrow. And later in the bulletin, human rights activist Francis Xavier Sosu pushes for a four-month maternity leave for women and a minimum of seven days paternity leave for men. We have details as he begins stakeholder consultation and debate. When you read all the uh, research that we have out there, particularly on maternal health and reproductive health matters, you realize that women need more than three months to actually heal properly before they come back to work. This and many more coming up in the next two hours on the pause with me, Elton Brobe. We are available on DSTV channel 421 Go TV125. Around the world at myjoyonline.com. We are also available on our social media platform, YouTube and Facebook. Welcome back. In the next 24 hours, President Akufuado would account his stewardship to Ghanaians. He would provide updates on various sectors and online key policy objectives for the year. The address, the State of the Nation address, will also serve as a platform to discuss strategies to improve the current economic situation. With this being President Akufuado's penultimate presentation to Parliament before the end of his term, all eyes are on him. Here on the pause, we want to hear the expectation of the business community, the teachers, and medical sector. Now, let me bring in Dr. Joseph Ben, who is president of the Ghana Junior of Traders Association, Guta, as we look forward to tomorrow's presentation of the State of the Nation Address. Uh, Dr. Obin, you're welcome to the pause. Good afternoon. Right, so there's a big day ahead of us tomorrow. But again, we are looking back from uh, January 7, 2017 up until now. 
Tomorrow likely to be the last state of the nation already because next year is just going to be an update and a dissolution of parliament. Let me start from 2017 up until now. How will you sum up how the government, the government and the president has performed so far in terms of delivering of the many promises they made to Ghanaians? Yeah. So, um, in 2017, when they assumed um, office, um, all seemed well. Um, they have recognized the fact that they have to remove um, so many new some taxes that was uh, burdening the business community, and that they have done that. They have also um, um, given some um, concessions for the spare parts dealers in terms of the duty payment and all that. Then, during that time, we were paying the flat rate of 3%, and um, it was helping the business community because um, it was a flat uh, rate and everybody was, uh, compliance was high. Um, during that time, we could say that business was uh, uh, getting very uh, better by the day. So, um, the second term, when we started seeing uh, the challenges of the government, um, as it is always um, uh, related to the COVID and the Ukraine war, where um, uh, you see the peak of it all is um, the last quarter of 2022, where the exchange rate um, and the depreciation of the city have gone to its highest level, now the city peaking at 15.5 uh, to the dollar. Then inflation also going up to about uh, 54%. Uh, percent. Mm. Then we came through um, to the um, uh, IMF program where we have to um, uh, go into IMF. Then the, the taxes that have to be imposed on us during that time, if you recall the three um, taxes that we used to call obnoxious taxes right. and all that. Then um, through the media, after assessing the um, the first tranche of the IMF, and then uh, brought some stability of the currency uh, through um, to this time where we have seen some uh, stability and also the inflation figures also coming down. Um, as well as the monetary policy rate. Mm. So I think um, um, this is the summary that I can give you from 2017 till to date. Yeah. But under the administration of President Akufuado, the last seven years at the tail end of his entire mandate, will you say that business, you know, performance has been good such that business has flourished? Well, there are still challenges that must be addressed. Yeah, so um, during, uh, from the last quarter of 2022 um, so um, maybe mid of 2023 was very serious and, um, uh, and, and uh, very frustrating for businesses. Mm. Um, in that inflation was eating up our capital, the uh, depreciation of the city was also eating up our capital. Um, the consuming public was also very um, um, difficult to even assess um, goods and uh, to, uh, uh, to be able to uh, buy goods because of the high cost of doing business having peaked. And so um, th that has been the situation. But 
Um, if you look at it from the second quarter through till now, I think that uh, the indicators have started improving. Um, while the inflation have dropped to about uh, 23%, monetary policy rate um, getting down to about 29%, and then the stability of the currency also remaining somewhere from 125 and um, to about 12.8 um, and uh, range uh, that range till to date mm. and that will uh, you will say that there's some kind of um, stability but as to how this can be sustained it's what we are expecting that as the uh, president is coming to talk about the state um, the um, state of the nation address you address and uh, let us know how is going to navigate, especially the IMF uh, uh, program that we have uh, adopted, to make sure that it is su- uh, successfully implemented, so that the third tranche will come within time to come help sustain um, 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 this uh, gain that we are having in the uh, stability of the city. Then, of course, uh, we should also not do anything like uh, bringing the bringing back the vat on electricity that right. is removed. They say they, we are going to do consultation. Mm. We are not expecting that this thing come. Because businesses have suffered in the past and if the indicators are getting better, we do not bring any further cost of doing business to come and harm or hurt uh, um, the recovery process that uh, businesses are going to have. And so, for me, these are the areas I want the, uh, the president to dwell on to make sure that we have the stability intact and uh, the stability of the economy intact so that businesses can recoup our losses because everybody knows that we have suffered in the last couple of months and then if the indications are get indicators are getting better then we do not do anything that's why we were so much opposed to the vote on ESTD and the, the emission tax so that uh, none of these things happen then we are also mm-hmm. not expecting and we are, we are expecting the government to ensure um, physical uh, discipline at this time, especially when we are entering into the election in year. And what do you uh, mean by that, not, sir? What, what, what do you mean by you want to ensure that government adopt discipline in terms of the fiscal approach to the economy? Yeah, yeah. you should know that we are in the election year. Mm-hmm. And then once um, I've just said that the indicators are getting better, even though it's not better, because we cannot say inflation at 23 is good for businesses. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are not saying that monetary policy rate having come to 29 is good for businesses. So we have to do everything possible to bring down um, 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 these figures, um, inflation and then this thing, so that uh, the um, the commercial lending rate should go down. So anything that we will have to do to sustain the gains and even um, bring them further down is what we are expecting the, the president to do. So this is an election year. If right. we expect more, it means it's going to throw all these gains away. And that's why uh, we are expecting that it also come out with the prudence in um, the management of um, our uh, fiscal so that um, um, we can uh, be able to um, um, ensure stability of the economy. Right, the doctor, I mean, we will respond more on the expectations, especially for tomorrow, and the fact that this may, may be the official, uh, uh, you know, last presentation. There will be one 
in 2025. But let me ask you, and for you as a for, for your personal business growth, and also and of course for your members, in the last seven years, has there been growth or rather stagnation or decline in terms of uh, the business that you do and the kind of environment that you operate? Would you say that your business has seen growth or there's stagnation or there's decline? How would you rate the government policy as it affects the output of your business? Uh, so we are talking in two, um, uh, two things here, and then there are two terms of office, and then when we say that the first term of office um, was very encouraging, as mm. I've always, already told you, um, so many taxes were removed. We know that um, 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 has been nuisance to the growth of businesses, and um, um, it impedes the growth of businesses. Mm-hmm. And at that time where so many taxes were removed, those the taxes that is called the nuisance taxes and all that, the, especially the VAT being uh, simplified to um, um, uh, for free, a flat rate payment for all businesses and all that, again some respite for businesses, and then um, there there was threshold of growth for businesses until the time that um, 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 we uh, the second term, especially in 2022. Where the estimate rate uh, got worse, the depreciation of the city uh, got to its highest level, and then also um, the uh, monetary policy rate um, um, going up, inflation also um, going extremely high. Then, of course, it's not a business friendly. Business does not thrive on, on, on these uh, bad indicators, and so that was the peak of it all. Um, then I would say that uh, businesses lost a lot, a, ma- uh, a lot of money. Uh, I've always said that we lost about 52% of our working capitals because of the effects of the exchange rate. Mm. Then we are now um, we are the indicators are getting better, which means that businesses are on the verge of recouping, and that's why I'm saying that we do not do anything that will disturb this seeming. Um, um, stability that we are having, and that's why we vehemently opposed um, to the new um, um, taxes that the government was bringing um, um, to bear. And that um, government should do everything um, possible mm-hmm. um, to make sure that we sustain this um, um, this thing and even bring these figures um, and da- uh, further down. As mm-hmm. I've said, that even when the inflation have come down for. 54% to 23%. We are, we, are, we are saying that it has come down because it's coming from 54%. It right. doesn't mean 23% is even better for us and that it should go further down and then uh, to, to pull down the monetary policy rate and then also ensure further stability of our currency. This is all that we seek as businesses and that government should do everything to sustain it. And uh, we have also said that before we can do this, then of course we have to put certain things in place. Uh, when one of them being that they have to do everything possible to make sure that we can ascend the third tranche um, in the time, IMF, in time. Yes. and then that government also um, not overspending because uh, we are in election year. And this, this is my view. Uh, and let me ask you: Are you able to borrow confidently? The way things stands now, from the, I mean, looking at the interest rate that comes with, you know, assessing loans from the banks, is it encouraging? 
Does it give you comfort to walk to the bank and say that I want this amount of money to pump into my business? Yeah, um, you see, cost of uh, borrowing is very uh, high in this part of the country, and that's what it does not make it competitive. And then it also makes prices of goods very high, and then it also curtails our uh, turnover because when prices of goods are high as a result of uh, the cost of doing business, including the cost of borrowing, it means that the final consumer can also not um, um, consume more. And businesses thrive on turnover. So if the, uh, the purchasing power of the consumer is curtailed mm. to the first minimum as we saw, as a result of inflation, having eaten up their capital, uh, their uh, purchasing power, then of course it does not augur well for us at all. Right. That's why businesses were going down and then the manufacturing companies were not being able to increase on their productivity because then all factors is not working in favor of doing business. And then the competitiveness of business was also affected because we are not doing this business in isolation. Right. This business that we are doing, we do it with the, the neighboring um, economies. And so if their cost of going cheaper, if their cost of doing business is cheaper, it means that they are unable to come here to buy goods from us, but rather we will go there to buy goods from them and then they will have the advantage thereof. Let, 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 let me ask a final question so that I can let you go. So, you have to rate the performance of the government in terms of its approach to businesses. Has the government done enough to create the needed environment for businesses to thrive? If we are to rate the government from 1 to 10, uh, what, what do you think the government did? And so, we are talking about a spate of time from 2017 till now. And so, everybody will have to put um, it on the scale and weigh it. It is not for me to come and give a figure of rating. I think everybody, every rational being will have because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very diversified. Mm-hmm. People's reasoning, reasoning and all that are diversified and I will leave it to the judgment of the good people of Ghana um, to weigh from beginning 2017 through to the second time and then um, what we are experiencing now, I know people are very rational to know how to um, um, rate, do their own rating. Yeah. Right. Thank you very much, Dr. Joseph Ben. And that's the president of GUTAP. And we are looking forward to the presentation of the State of the Nation Address tomorrow and to find out the expectation of interest groups. Let me bring in Dr. Richard Solomon, the General Secretary of the Ghana Medical Association, also joining me. Uh, via Zoom. Uh, Solomon, good afternoon. Come. Good afternoon. And, and, and it's actually good to see you. I asked uh, Dr. Joseph Abin to, to reach the government in terms of how the government was responding to concerns of businesses, and he was unable to do so, rather leaving it to uh, the, the community to get, to get a decision on it. Let, perhaps before we start, let me put the same question to you. From the medical sector, how will you reach the performance of the Kufari government so far from 2017 up until now? I should be prepared to listen to have the last but one state of the nation address. I think we have difficulties connecting to Dr. Richie Salome. We'll bring him back on and then 
engage him as we look forward to the presentation of the State of the Nation address tomorrow, uh, 10 a.m., and Parliament President Kufuado will be there. We'll also look at other issues that, that is dominating the headlines this afternoon. But you can leave your comments, your questions on our Facebook, YouTube, and other social media platforms as we engage you on your expectations ahead of tomorrow. Let me see if, if I can reconnect with Dr. Richard Salome. Dr. Richard Salome, you're welcome again. I hope it's better now. We don't have him yet. We'll bring him back on uh, to continue with the discussion on this matter. We'll also bring in the General Secretary of the Ghana uh, National Association of Teachers, uh, Thomas Musa, uh, to help us understand from the teacher's perspective what the expectations are going into tomorrow's presentation of the State of the Nation address. And then, uh, of course, you can also join us with your comments. Yeah, this is the pause here on Join. We'll take a short break. We'll be back as we try to connect with Dr. Richard Solomon. We're back and let's try and re-establish connection to Dr. Richard Solomon, the General Secretary of the Ghana Medical Association. Dr. Solomon, you're welcome. I hope we have a better connection now. I hope so too. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming through. So tomorrow is the day. I mean, you are likely to hear what the government has done so far in the health sector. But you are in the health sector. You see and feel it. Has the government done enough between 2017 and up until now as President Akufar prepares to present what may be his last State of the Nation address, even though what may happen in 2020? Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. For me, may just be a ceremony to dissolve Parliament. Well, uh, first, thank you to Joy, and then thank you to your listeners. Um, for us, uh, probably just as the previous speaker spoke, we are service, uh, most of our members deliver service, and then also work in facilities, mainly public in nature, and we believe that the patients will be the best people to judge for themselves, uh, whether the policies in the healthcare industry, whether the equipment and the infrastructure that is supposed to be there for them, uh, is serving their purpose. We believe that the people are the best to judge. Of course, we must admit that government has made some efforts through the Agenda 111, has made a few efforts as well in retooling some facilities. But of course, this is not enough. And for us, if even one individual loses their life because, for example, there's not adequate funding for ambulances, the tariffs of NHI, which have improved but are still not paid on time, oh. uh, 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 and leads to some bad outcome, then there is a challenge with that. So we admit that there are improvements, especially with NHI and the reinvestments, which have come uh, much prompter than before. But then we believe that there's a lot more to be done, and we shouldn't be uh, discussing what has been done, but what needs to be done to quickly bridge the gap between uh, what is left to be done and what has been done already. And when I spoke to Dr. Joseph Ben, I mean, he, he was of the view that things took a nosedive, especially during the COVID era. Now, during the COVID era, government did a lot to help protect Ghanaians. And for those who were at the front line, like doctors and nurses, there was special incentive for them, which I'm sure government want to, you know, pat itself on the back and say that we did, it, we did so much to protect the Ghanaian. Your members who are at the forefront of fighting COVID-19, promises were made to them. As we speak, has the government fulfilled all of them? 
Well, so, um, of course, government did put in some measures to protect Ghanaians. If I want to speak specifically to doctors, we know we lost quite a lot of doctors and dental surgeons practicing in the forefront. Uh, we lost big people, various people, very uh, experienced specialists, including the rector of the Ghana College of Physicians and Surgeons, a world-renowned physician, mm. uh, Dr. Professor Blanchou. We lost consultant orthopedic surgeons. We lost various colleagues. Beyond this, are also colleagues who were sick and had to be admitted for various days, various periods during the COVID. Some have developed conditions that still are with them till today. There were some measures instituted, like the insurance policy that was instituted, but it was fraught with problems, and many colleagues still today haven't yet received any of those uh, uh, reimbursements that were promised. So, of course, there were some incentives that were provided, but I must say that when you peg those incentives to the lives that were lost, and then also the dangers that people were exposed to taking care of, especially in the early days, uh, those incentives uh, do not meet uh, uh, the lives that were lost, and we believe that more could be done, especially in the light that there are more infectious disease outbreaks, hopefully, not that we wish for it, but uh, it looks like on the horizon will be more, and we need the health workers at the forefront to be motivated so that they don't think that when it happens again, they will go through similar challenges that they went through in the COVID uh, scenario. But Dr. Solomon, for those who were promised some compensation because of the roles they played during the COVID era and the fact that they are yet to receive such compensation, what is the communication around this? Well, we were various communications came from the ministry, then through the agencies for facilities to compile those who were involved for, um, how do I put it, uh, uh, these things to be rectified. Uh, however, up to date, many still haven't had anything since then. So uh, for now, people still have their, their concerns. Of course, recently we heard of the COVID-19 awards that were organized nationally and then also regionally to recognize some efforts. And uh, that was a good step, I must say. But then, of course, even with that, there are still some challenges. Of course, every policy has its challenges, but we think that the communications around these things could be better. Mm. Nevertheless... COVID-19 exposed some defects in our health sector. And the government took it on with the construction of hospitals in underserved areas that, you know, birthed the Agenda 111 project. You would say the government has been responsive in terms of, you know, taking care of the health needs of Ghanaians. Well, as I said in my introductory remarks, um, when it comes to health care, there's not that time where you have where you can pause, pat yourself in the back and have a party and say that, oh, we've done well and that's the end of it. We acknowledge the efforts government has put in for the Agenda 111, which uh, for now we are yet to see one fully completed, but we know that construction going on in some places. Yes. However, we still note the fact that there are still many uncompleted facilities from either the previous era or those that are even being constructed and then also, for example, the Ligena Hospital, that is still yet to start, which said a large enclave. And so there's still a lot to be done. We know that the investments that went in both from the private and the public sector, for example, with the infectious disease center that was built, and there were plans to build one in the middle belt and then in the northern belt mm. to tackle such outbreaks whenever they come. 
Uh, we since COVID things have slowed a bit, and so we are not sure where the middle belt and then the the northern belt runs. When are they even starting, and when are we moving moving uh, to operationalization? So these are things that we are seriously looking at to see that government will at least give us the status of all of these projects, the status of projects that have been completed that are yet to be operationalized. Mm. Those health facilities that have been completed or near completion that are still yet to be operationalized so that we can use them to serve people. We want to hear the true status of, of these ones in the state of the nation's address. And therefore, the key question will be, is a country in readiness to confront any future pandemic? Well, what I must say is that Ghana has built resilience over the years. Mm. And learnings from Ebola fortunately, which did not come. And then learnings from COVID has prepared us to be able to tackle. If you have heard of the monkeypox that came, right. and then the, the Lassa fever and others that came, they were quickly uh, curtailed and they could not spread in the country because we have learned. The human resource base has learned. The systems have been built, especially Ghana Health Service, collaboration with CHAG and other partners. The ministry itself has built resilience in this However, there's still more to be done because we know that still ventilators across the country are a big problem. If there are complications that develop of some of these infectious diseases, we've heard of Confanochi recently complaining that they only had one or two functional dialysis machines. Right. We've also seen many regional centers complain about the fact that they don't have functioning ventilators. And so where the infrastructure needs to be continually rebuilt, retooled, Maintenance done for the old facilities, whilst we also look to build the Agenda 111 ones to complement these efforts. And that is why, for us, we yes. think that the COVID 19 levy, which is still being collected in the name of COVID 19, which generally has, uh, should I say, has abated and is not at the pandemic levels that we were worried about at the beginning, should be repurposed and ring fenced to be used for retooling of facilities, funding of ambulance, and other services that can be done rather than being. Uh, sunk into the consolidated fund where we are not sure where these monies go at the end. So we think that government has put in some efforts, but there's more to be done, and the COVID-19 levy should be repurposed and ring-fenced for the same purpose, for the use of healthcare-related expenditures and capital expenditure. Last time when I spoke to you after your annual general meeting in the central region, I mean, your conditions yeah. of service had come to an end, and you were hoping that government will meet with you to uh, go through the discussion so that the two of you can agree on the new conditions of service to govern the Ghana Medical Association. Now, tomorrow, President Kufuad will present the State of the Nation address. Is it your expectation that the President will announce that we have concluded the discussions with the Ghana Medical Association and they, they now have a new conditions of service? Well, I must say that since then, and, and the advocacy we made, on that subject, we have had some engagements and we have moved quite significantly towards achieving some agreement. Okay. And so we, I must say that we are yet to conclude the discussions and negotiations, but we have made some significant agreements, uh, even though, of course, just like Oliver Trees, we would wish for more, we acknowledge the difficulties of the times and we are still negotiating to see what we can do to ensure our members are well motivated to continue serving Ghanaians. What I must say is that we want to hear the president spell out clear policies to deal with health worker welfare, not only doctors. I mean, 
even though I speak for doctors and dental surgeons, not only doctors, we know of various health workers going through burnout because of the workload that we have to go through, especially in the underserved areas. We also know of people, because of this burnout, going through mental health difficulties along with the economic conditions that come in, and there are no clear policies of support for these people. Doctors and, so doctors and, doctors and health professionals going through mental challenges because of the work they do? Oh, yes. It is known, and research practices, because, for example, uh, a doctor is working in a district facility. He has to deal with a pregnant woman who has bled up and needs to have an emergency procedure. Yeah. He needs, for example, to refer this person to a higher center. The ambulance comes in, and you now have to spend sometimes hours battling with them to pay for the ambulance. Most often, we have to pay from our own pockets. Sometimes this back and forth go on to the extent that people die in the process, and I'm sure some of you have covered stories on this. Yeah. People die, we are human beings as doctors, and we feel it as well. And people die, and doctors break down and cry. Some, because of this overload of work, where they don't go on leave, they cannot tackle their issues. Females who are pregnant and still have to go to work, and they are on leave, but they are essentially at work, and yet the commensurate remuneration doesn't go with these things. All these have effects on mental health of health workers, and these are resulting in various mental health conditions that are showing up and affecting uh, uh, doctors, uh, nurses, and other health workers. And these are serious issues that we need to begin to look at. And we believe that government must begin to put policies in place to tackle this. Beyond that also... And what do we expect in terms of suggestion to address this very important area that you mentioned? What is the suggestion coming from the Ghana Medical Association? Well, there should be a clear policy on what government itself commits to take care of the health care of those who take care of the health care of the people. Mm. And this requires funding. And this also requires some policies that tackle the challenge where sometimes you have to move these people to centers to rehab uh, uh, issues of dealing with fitness to practice where sometimes their salaries are stopped whilst they are undergoing this and therefore families will have to jump in. And these are very critical discussions that we feel government must look at going forward. Mm. Beyond this, let me also add that the issue of policies to attract and retain people at the periphery, especially in the underserved areas, feeds into this perfectly and also tackles the brain drain issues that we are tackling. And those very, are some very, of the very, a, very, a very thorny issue about. where you have doctors and nurses queuing to just leave the country because one, uh, either they are not employed after completing their studies or basically just because exactly. the conditions are not just good enough for them to stay in a country and work. Yes, I mean, as I said in your interview with me a while back, I mean, the basic needs of the 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 early doctor or nurse or pharmacist is to get a small car, get a house, so that he can also at least show something for the years of schooling and then the work that they put themselves into with all the risks that go with it. And so if they stay in this economy where it is difficult to leave, and especially if they have to leave to the peripheries and underserved areas where their roofs are not good, their amenities are not there, your children don't have good schools to also attend, then of course it makes sense and it's difficult as it is to take that economic decision that you also have to get out there so that you can ensure some future for your children. We don't wish that these things happen. 
but then it becomes difficult convincing the person to stay. And that is why we think that government must have a clear deliberate policy as to how it wants to attract people. Some of these may not necessarily be monetary. There are some discussions that are far advanced. For example, the rural incentive packages that have been discussed, including doctors, nurses, farmers, and other health workers, to attract to underserved areas, promotion-related issues, some financial incentives, some academic incentives, to ensure that these people stay. Because if you sample some of them with a little bit more of these issues, they, will stay. they might be able to stay country. What about the proposal that came from you? What about the proposal that came from you after the conference in Cape Coast that government should reactivate the, the, the earlier program that gave you the right to import a vehicle into the country and they would not pay for the duty on it? What, 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 what is the state of it? Well, we are still discussing. Uh, of course, the issues are back and forth on uh, the tax waivers, some abuse in the past and all that, but we are discussing. And we are hoping that the uh, government goes ahead to grant this waiver because uh, it is very important and one of the things that our younger colleagues especially need. And we, 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 we see it as an issue that we shouldn't have too much discussions about their waivers granted for many other people uh, who are not essential workers. We don't even retire on our salary, even though in the health sector it's an essential service and other sectors are retiring. Other essential services provided the police, the, the others, the judicial service, retire on their salary. We are the only essential service providers that don't retire on our salary. For now, if we got nothing at all and we are being granted with us, we think that that should not be too much to us. But of course, we are still discussing to see where that goes. And we are hoping for a positive conclusion on that. And is there a commitment from government to, for example, uh, accept your proposal to retire your salary, to give you the vehicle? Uh, that all of us sit in the general document that covers your condition of service. When do you hope to have this implemented? Well, as I said, we are discussing. Mm. And when it comes to negotiations, it's not everything that can be discussed in public. What I can say is that there is that commitment government is showing, but of course, it is only when you put pen to paper and sign that we can say we hold in our hands a condition that is enforceable by law right. that our members and ourselves as an association can enforce. And so there are commitments, there are movements. What we also encourage you is that it is you, the people that we serve. It is you that when we are not happy, that we will come back and work on and probably affect the service we provide. We expect you not to be innocent bystanders, but to also seek our cause so that you don't complain that doctors are leaving. I can't get specialists in this place. We expect you to vote for them, empower them, and give them the power to speak to them See your MP speak to them that no, it is not fair that the only, only among the essential service providers, uh, health workers are the only ones that cannot uh, certain levels of risk cannot retire on their salary. Right. For example, and then also that the waivers that we are discussing should be something that they should look at and and, and give us a positive response. So we expect you to also be advocates on our side and not give us only to our feet. Right. Thank you very much, Dr. Wiji Solomon, General Secretary of the Ghana Medical Association, and we will all uh, wait and hear the presence. We hopefully he may address the concerns that he'll be just put across. Now, let's stay a little longer on matters relating to health, because human rights activist Francis Xavier Susu is pushing for a four-month maternity leave for women and a minimum of seven-day paternity leave for men. That is his proposal 
that uh, he has put across. And he's seeking to, uh, he's actually behind a private member's bill that is seeking to amend the Labor Act to incorporate these provisions in it. Now, I spoke to him earlier uh, on, and he's, made, he's provided justification for this proposal that is hoping that Parliament will take it to the first reading. And there is move in Parliament by the Member of Parliament for Madina, who is also a human rights activist, to amend some sections of the Labor Act. The rationale behind this move is to bring some improvement within the maternity circle. And this afternoon, we are joined by him to explore this matter and how that benefits you as a nursing mother and, of course, as a husband as well. Plus, also look at the issue of the sanitary pass. Honorable, you're welcome to the pause. Thank you very much. So, this is a private member's motion, right? That is correct. Mm -hmm. That is correct. And you are seeking to amend the Labor Act? That is, that is so. To do what exactly? Um, so, currently, the Labor Act provides for, um, I would say, three months maternity leave mm -hmm. for women and uh, almost all labor unions and activists in the space have called for extension of maternity leave over the years and so uh, somewhere last year in october i initiated this move in parliament to initiate uh, an amendment to the labor law mm -hmm. to ensure that the maternity leave of women is increased from three months to four months mm -hmm. and then we introduce a regime of Paternity leave. So, uh, as a as a as an advocacy tool, we call it uh, parental leave for all. Mm -hmm. uh, that way, uh, husbands get to be with their 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 wives at the time of birth for at least a minimum of seven days and a maximum of uh, uh, four weeks. And it could increase depending on whether it was a safe birth or uh, they had uh, still birth or they have uh, complicated birth cesarean sessions and so on and so forth so these are basically the the purpose of the amendment and for that of the women mm -hmm. uh, actually the four months is just for the regular delivery uh, it could extend all the way to six months depending on whether it's a cesarean session or you have multiple beds uh, and sometimes there are some complex miscarriages right. uh, all these ones are captured under the proposal uh, so so basically i want to understand the rationale behind it i mean we've been used to three months I want to move it a bit further. Well, what is informing this proposed move? I think that the rationale is based on research. In fact, uh, I often say that now we move from the traditional way of doing things to research-based approach mm -hmm. to legislation. And when you read all the uh, research that we have out there, particularly on maternal health and reproductive health matters, you realize that women need more than three months to actually heal properly before they come back to work uh, unfortunately um, uh, what we have is a three months mm -hmm. so after three months they are forced to come back to work that affects their health one two it, it affects their productivity you know as people who are supposed to contribute to uh, to work in the in the workplace mm -hmm. and it, it also helps uh, or affect worker retention because in places where women do not get the benefit of uh, even the, the, the three months much less to get like extra months uh, in lieu of salary. Mm -hmm. It affects their, their income, and most people have to stop work because they, they've delivered. And so if you want to, I mean, resolve these matters, uh, bridge the, the 
Nanga brings some more equality and inclusivity for women who just deliver, mm -hmm. it's always best to increase the, the number of years. In fact, I think Sweden has the highest, is it nine months or so? Nine months uh, for, yes, for nursing yes, mothers. Yes, for nursing mothers. Others have like six months, others have like seven months, eight months, depending on the peculiar situations that they face. And so uh, I think it's an amendment in aid of our mothers mm. and, 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 and our women. Uh, it's so strange that we have a population that, uh, I mean, we have close to uh, 34 million people, more than 50% are women. And yet, we, we are a bit hesitant when it comes to introducing legislation or pieces of policy. That, that but the government. question is three months, and you want yes. to move to four months. Yes. Some will say that the change is not so significant. Big. Yes. Well, I think it, it may not be significant now, particularly because of our economic circumstance also. Remember that I was introducing this legislation last year at a time that Ghana was struggling to even get to IMF, mm. meet IMF conditionality, and so on and so forth. So you needed to be sensitive. And, um, and for learning from the witchcraft accusation bills that we had led in passing in Parliament, as well mm. as the death penalty bills, I understood that there are times that you just have to go for the low-hanging fruits. And when you get a low-hanging fruit, you can always, by way of strategy, improve. Currently, as I talk to you, many female MPs have actually advocated that eventually when it gets to the floor, people have propose further amendments, right. right? So it's all about just providing the leadership in the space and giving others opportunity to contribute. In fact, the, 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 the latest I even heard was the fact that there are women who sometimes feel embarrassed. Uh, in removing, you know, their breasts in the public to feed their babies. Yeah. Right. And so there are even further proposals that uh, lactating mothers may even have opportunity to work remotely. That is, if organizations could provide that opportunity for them mm. to work remotely while they are, you know, that in, that, in that process. It's all about, you know, improving the mental health and general well-being of women in Ghana. We, we, we'll talk about the downside of this. Okay. But let me bring in the angle of the men. Yes. You are proposing one week for them to spend time with their wives and it could go further. Yes. Why one week and not the three months that you are proposing? Well, I mean, four months that you are proposing for. But that, that's a really great question. Uh, but I think that you need to balance all these things with you know, the productivity issues and so on and so forth. And I don't think that men may necessarily need like four months to be with their, uh, their wife, particularly because of the policy reasoning mm -hmm. of the, uh, the proposal. There's the seven days usually are the first, or I'll say it's the first week of the birth right. of the child. In fact, for even families that are now becoming more nuclear, it takes time for them to either get like a mother or an uncle or like some relative to travel down to be with them to assist the, 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 the mother. Mm -hmm. And so the first person in the family that must support the wife, whether it was a cesarean session or it was any of the complicated sessions, is the man. Mm. So if the man doesn't have the, 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 the freedom in terms of, uh, or the support in, in doing this, it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. And so we're saying that the first seven days of a child, you know, a lot of things happen. And for many people who are fathers, you bear me witness that sometimes the late night cries of mm. the baby, I mean, to... to the kind of support the baby needs at that early stage mm -hmm. requires that the man has like some space to do that. And that's why we're proposing the first seven days. In mm -hmm. fact, it, it could go all up to like a 14, no, no, to up to say uh, uh, four weeks, right. depending on whether it's, it's a cesarean session, a complex birth, multiple birth, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. There is a medical doctor that eventually certify what kind of birth it was based on which now the, the person could be given the, 
the right to go on leave for that period. So where are we in terms of having it put on the floor of Parliament for consideration? Well, uh, currently we are at a stage known as a pre-laying engagement. Mm -hmm. Now, the pre-laying engagement affords the uh, stakeholders in Parliament, like the Gender Committee, and people who have interest generally, including people who have interest outside of Parliament, to come together, together with the drafting Department of Parliament, proposals that are, I mean, that have been put before Parliament. When these proposals are reviewed, it informs the drafting department what further amendment they need to do to the final legislation before it goes to Gazette. Right. And after gazetting for 14 days, it will now be read the first time and referred to the Gender Committee of Parliament. Uh, 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 educate me. So, uh, have you crossed the stage where you've met all the conditions necessary for it to be passed as, as a private member's, member. member's bill. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, once the bill is initiated, uh, Parliament would do its own independent uh, review of the bill. Mm. Uh, and Parliament actually calls to be done what we call the fiscal impact analysis and all that. And it's only when Parliament is convinced mm -hmm. that this is been made that they, by memo, would instruct the member to call for a stakeholder engagement. Mm. So we are doing this person to what Parliament now requires as the next stage to move the bill to, you know, the stage where we can actually find, finally gazette and, and refer it. I ask because of the history with the wish card bill and the response that came from the president, that, which is now a matter that because of the president's response, it hasn't come to a stage where we will say that we've come to a finality in terms of having it implemented. That is, that is very correct. But I think that... You know, when you take a look at the witchcraft bill as well as the one of the death penalty bills, mm. I think that there may be some other issues rather than just a violation of potential violation of Article 108 because the Article 108 is very clear. Mm -hmm. It's about imposition of a charge. Right. So the bill or the law must seek to impose a charge. These laws do not seek to impose charges. Secondly, it is uh, the, the application or the scope of application of Article 108 mm -hmm. has to do with the speaker's decision right. or the one, you know, presiding at that material time. Mm. It doesn't live within the space of either the presidency or any other agent of government. And so I think it just requires further engagement, which we are still doing. And I'm hopeful mm -hmm. that as part of uh, the goodwill that is selecting Nanado Dankwakofado want to leave for the good people of Ghana, he will, in all goodwill, sign this law to make sure that women who are currently trapped in witch camps will have some re reprieve because mm -hmm. uh, no one will do it. We need to do it. So the law is ready. Right. It can only be implemented by his signature. We are mm -hmm. hoping that he will do that. Mm -hmm. And I can assure you that these proposals have gone through all the checks mm -hmm. and we are really ready. Once the stakeholder engagement is over, we can have a final draft, get it gazetted, mm -hmm. and... Uh, sure, we can have the first reading and referred, and hopefully we should be able to pass this laws before this parliament, you know, uh, uh, expires. They'll have come to an end. So basically, you are, you are seeking an amendment uh, to a, a private member's bill mm. to amend portions of the Labour Act. Correct. To give more, women more time to spend with their babies. Exactly. The issue is that we all live in this country, mm. and there are countless stories of women who got pregnant, and sometimes they are sacked. Mm. I mean, people lost their job because they got pregnant. That's correct. Or people have lost their job because they, they got married and the bosses felt that they would get pregnant soon and for that reason it will affect their productivity and so they are laid off. Yeah. Wouldn't this 
embolden such you know employers to act in a manner that may not be consistent with the provisions of the law well i, I think that um we must rather open up that conversation mm -hmm. no employer has a right to terminate the appointment of another only because she's pregnant. They may not do it officially. That's they may correct. use other means to, I, I agree. to have them fired. I, I agree. But I think that we must fish out every employer who does that. Mm -hmm. Every lady who is sacked on account of getting married or on account of getting pregnant must have the boldness to challenge those decisions. That's why we have institutions like Shraj, mm -hmm. Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice. Obviously, that process of either compelling you to resign or using all kinds of ways to frustrate you so you will just leave the employment can amount to, I mean, an inducement to quit mm -hmm. your job. And it, 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 it will be an administrative injustice to those women. And I think we all have a duty to protect our women in this space. Mm -hmm. This has given me even a new idea because then we will seek as part of the amendment when we go to the stakeholder, and that's why we will be inviting all of you, right. as part of the amendment to even criminalize conduct of people who would try to induce women to quit their job only because they became pregnant. In the first place, who got the women pregnant? Right. And is it their fault that they are pregnant? How do we sustain our society, the sustainable development goals, how do we keep them going? How do we ensure intergenerational equity by way of utilizing our resources today to ensure that the future generation would also be able to use? We can only do that through procreation. Mm -hmm. And procreation is, is a natural consequence of marriage, and so long as we keep marrying, we'll continue to give birth. And so the advocacy must rather be to give a voice to the women, to, be, to, to strengthen them, to stand for their rights when it comes to their reproductive health. Yeah, because in some other jurisdictions, laws protect women a lot and children. Uh, is it your expectation that this, if finally passed by parliament, will give women some protection, especially in the area of childbirth Absolutely. and nursing? Absolutely. In fact, when you look at the mischief that we seek to cure, mm -hmm. was what exactly you mentioned. There are many women who are suffering when they do not need to suffer. And they are suffering for natural consequences. In fact, it's, it was part of the, the policy consideration of that tax on parts as well. Because why should somebody you know, be discriminated against just because she's a woman? Mm -hmm. Just because, I mean, she, she didn't create a condition. Her, the fragile nature of women when they become pregnant, mm -hmm. remember how they go through, the, the pain they go through for the nine months mm -hmm. before they deliver. A woman goes through hormonal changes, biological changes within mm -hmm. nine months. And when he delivers, you want them hormonal changes to correct within three months. That is not possible. Right. You know, so I think that we should be able to embolden our women and the men would have to get involved because historically, uh, our society has been structured in ways that even though women are more, men occupy major positions of power, of influence. Mm -hmm. And so when decisions are being taken, people are taking those decisions from a man's perspective so that's so what if we we terminate the job well who will terminate the job is mm. the man right is the man ceo is the man who is the one complaining so i think that we should be able to stand for our women fight for them and stand with them so after the first reading and the referral is done you hope to open it up to the uh, feather, public discourse feather, feather where, public discourse where you, you 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 hope to receive petitions absolutely and memos, feather memos. and so if you are out there you are i mean female i mean gender activists you are a female activist, you are a woman, you are a queen mother, you are whatever role you play, whatever mm. space you have, this is the time for us to rally together to push this amendment. Now remember that in, in the quest to fight for free, fair and just society, 
it, it doesn't just happen. Mm. Activism is so important. If you don't let your voice count, nobody will count your voice. Right. So we need everyone to need to get out there and make the voice of women count on this matter. Finally, briefly on the sanitary part issue. Well, so the sanitary part, you recall that uh, it was in September last year when I introduced uh, a bill to take out taxes on sanitary parts. And the bill at the time sought to do four things. One, to take away the 15% VAT on locally manufactured parts, mm -hmm. to take away the 15% uh, VAT on imported uh, parts, take away uh, uh, the 15% uh, tax on uh, raw materials mm -hmm. used for manufacturing of locally manufactured uh, uh, to manufacture local local parts, right? And then the last one was to reclassify parts because currently parts are classified as large luxury products, mm -hmm. and and that's why taxes are, are on imposed it. on, on mm -hmm. them. So we seek to reclassify those those parts. Now, government in the 2024 budget responded to two of the needs. One of them was to remove the 15 percent VAT on locally manufactured parts, and then the second one was to remove the 15 percent VAT on imported raw materials for manufacturing parts right. in Ghana. Hmm. Now, the tool left is the imported uh, VAT mm -hmm. on finished products uh, and then the reclassification. So that is what we are pushing. So this is going to be part of the stakeholder engagement mm -hmm. next week when we meet. Um, thank you very much. Uh, we, we, are, we, are, we were waiting to see the bill go through first reading and then when the public discourse is open, all of us can contribute to fine-tune it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is a pause here on Joy News. My name is Elton Brobe. Now let's go to the election headquarters because the leader of the movement for Ghana, Alan Kwejoche Maten, has been out and about. This afternoon, let me bring in Karaj Nobi, acting director of communication with the Alan Chemantin team. Karaj, uh, you welcome to the pause. Why this tour of markets and communities? What exactly are you seeking to achieve? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Elton, and uh, good afternoon to your viewers. Um, I, I think uh, the Honorable Lancha Martin um, has always been uh, one that is endeared to our mothers and our sisters, our brothers who are at the market. He's always been an icon for them, and it is in line with that that uh, the campaign for the rights that um, after the National Economic Summit which happened on the 2nd of February at Mervinpeg. It is only proper that for all the solutions that he proposed, the 152 prescriptions for transforming our economy, he touches base with the informal sector of the economy, which continues to sustain lives and needs to also see or know what the transformational agenda has to offer for them, just so that together we can work to make sure that that transformation of the Ghanaian economy happens ultimately uh, coming December 2024 when the elections take place. So today, where did the train stop? Yeah, so last Friday, he was at uh, Makola, Kaneshi, Okaishi, and, Mak and um, um, Abosokai 
But today he went through Community One Market, then to Ashamal Market, and ended a few uh, minutes ago at the Medina Market. And you should see the scenes, very lively scenes. The market women know who they can trust, and they know that he's a man of his words, and he's got the middle touch that is needed to make life simple for them. They look forward to the wonderful um, agric policy, the National Agricultural Revolution, and they look forward to having the infrastructure expansion that will make sure that they can cut their goods from farm to market without incurring the cost that they presently incur. And they look forward to uh, mechanized agriculture that would give them good harvest, that would give them very uh, good products that they can sell to make very good profit at low prices so that business will boom, they can make money, take care of their family. But they also look forward to being able to buy goods from the local manufacturers, which Alan is promising to do, so that they will not have to go and change currency and go and import uh, the, the, the goods that they sell in the market. So a lot of excitement, as you can see in your scenes, and they know that his policies are practical policies that will make their lives better. And then after these stores, then what? So you're going to see um, these stores uh, go to major markets. Um, there are other aspects. If you remember, the Great Transmissional Plan the Honorable Ancho Martinez presented has six clusters mm. made up of 15 pillars. So far, he has spoken to Cluster 1, which is the economy. So look forward to uh, other arrangements around Cluster 2, 3, 4, and others on governance and many other aspects <coughs> that he'll be sharing with the Ghanaian people to give them the reason to give him the time come December 7th. And, and you're hoping to take it to the, the rest of the country to, to listen to the views of these people, to culminate into what exactly as we move to 2024 elections. And most definitely, Honorable Achamati believes that the market holds the base of our economy, and so he needs to touch base with them. And anywhere you go to within the Ghanaian society, across the various regions, the markets thrive. There are, there are markets over there. So he'll be touching base with them. It's his constituency. And so they're also looking forward to having We've received several calls, and, and they are asking, when is he coming to us? When is he getting to our, our place? So you see a lot of these stops uh, amidst other, um, other arrangements that the campaign will be uh, undertaking. All right. Thank you very much. Courage, uh, Nobi. Is he... Acting Director of Communications with the Alan Chemantin uh, Movement for Ghana. Uh, and they've been out and about. Thank you very much. This is a pause. We'll take a short break and we shall be back. Welcome back to the pause here on Joy News. Now let's move to some other stories. And Parliament's Chairman of the Parliament's Mines and Energy Committee, Samuel Atachia, has stirred controversy with claims there may be persons seeking to run down Strategic Mobilization Limited, SML. The indigenous Ghanaian company has been in the eye of the storm after a recent investigative piece by the fourth estate we claim GRA had awarded a questionable contract to SML worth $100 million a year. GRA and SML maintain there's been no wrongdoing with SML suing the fourth estate for defamation. Speaking to journalists after his committee tour SML's facility in Tema, Samuel Atatia claimed it appeared SML was doing some good work that some people are trying to run down. 
sense of technology and if we see how as a monumental um, theft in terms of how under declarations are done uh, I'm afraid they've come to really expose something very huge and I think the numbers will show so for us as um, uh, members of parliament trying to familiarize ourselves with what they're doing we also take the numbers and roll it out what I hate is to try and um, do propaganda when you don't have facts. And that's what some people are doing. A lot of people in a clue as to what these individuals are doing here. This company is doing here. It's come to conclusions already. And for me, that is very sad. You don't run a nation in this way that when there's a Ghanaian initiative and if you don't have facts and understanding, you've never been to their data room for you to come to terms with what they are monitoring and world-class audit they are doing and you come to conclusions that oh, this is a conduit for political bribery and all the kind of things people might want to see it least much to be desired. Parliamentary Select Committee on Mines and Energy went to the facility with the parliamentary press call. And parliamentary correspondent Koko Asante joins me in here. Koku, so uh, you asked Atachina for the basis of his claim. How did he respond? Well, Elton, clearly Atachina was impressed with what he had seen. In fact, those of us who went in there first before the MPs came in, we could see real time that the company was monitoring figures from all across the country. And currently, the president has asked that that bill be suspended. And there are persons who are already expressing concerns that that will mean that they currently the state may lose some money. And so when Atatia also went in there with some of these MPs, he clearly saw what he had seen. Mm -hmm. And then he felt like something was being done. And that as a wholly owned Ghanaian entity, you heard him there in the first point talk about propaganda and certain persons who have not even come in there saying a lot of things about the company. And so he was surprised that the kind of work these persons are doing, in his own words, before SML was introduced to the downstream petroleum sector, it was like day and light mm -hmm. in terms of what the company is able to do now. So listen to Atatia make the point about what this company is doing to save some re revenue for, for the country in the downstream petroleum sector. I believe that is a world-class setup. And uh, let's see what the president will say, and then we'll continue. If you look at what is happening, and if they say this is a Ghanaian initiative, then we should give them a standing ovation. But as to whether there are any financial malfeasance or any other thing, I think it will come after what KPMG will submit to the president. Giving um, the whole nation some rest in terms of revenue guarantees by the technology they have deployed, I don't, think, I don't think I should even speak to this matter. The Ghana Revenue Authority that hired them and can testify as to what they've done. 
So what was and what is now is like day and night. So uh, as I've said, I'm being very careful not to prejudice what the president has, has, uh, is doing and KPEMG is doing, but very soon. So I'm curious to know, the NDC members on the committee, were they there as well? There were only two NDC MPs who were there, the Lasoa, and then one other member of parliament, uh, Mr. Muhammad Nasser Touré, mm. for Ayawasu East. Two of them, they do not want to go on the record. They want to look at whatever they've seen, report to their leadership, mm -hmm. and then if their leadership will see something. But of course, Atasia says, as a committee, they put out invitation notices to everybody. He likens that to the chamber where not everybody comes to the chamber. But business is expected to progress. And as soon as, as far as they are concerned, once the notices went out there, they have quorum, they have a number of key members of parliament coming in, then there's no concern about whether NDC MPs came or not. Two of the members of the minority with us, and you know, these are all elders. We don't compel them to come along, but they said they were coming. And I don't know what has explained, um, uh, what, what will explain the absence. But two of them came. And as you know, we want to just come and know. We have not even started the interrogation of issues. We have not asked them any serious issues. So in good time, we will all be seated. Those who are interested in trying to know the truth, they will know the truth because they will appear. All right, so let me bring in the chairman of the Mines and Energy Committee, uh, Mr. Samuel Atachia. Mr. Atachia, you're welcome to the poll. So from what I heard you say, you're clearly happy with the way SML has conducted itself so far. The, the, the sound is very low. Can you, can you help me with it? Right. So I was asking from, from, from the sound that I, I, I heard of you after your visit to the SML facility, you appear to be very happy with the way they are doing their work. Well, you need to get in there because half the time we are just not involved with the doings of others, but I want to run our commentary. So we're just paying the familiarization tour. And what we saw there is, is a state-of-the-art, I mean, arrangement in which we'll be able to tell you that this is the um, level of cargo being lifted from A to B and the rest of it. But we are not here to sort of... Uh, um, free charge what the president is doing. We just wanted to know even where, where they are located. We didn't know. So we decided that let's find them. Let's go and listen to them a few minutes to understand what they do, what is the purpose of what they are doing, what are the economic advantages to the economy, and then also, can we inspect your, your facilities? And then, that's it. Because in good time, after the president has finished his work, we intend bringing them to the committee where we do proper interrogation of matters concerning them. But as chairman of the committee and the comments you pass, some will say that you obviously is prejudging the outcome of the committee's investigation into this matter. Where is the prejudgment here? We didn't go and do any audit. We've not appointed KPMG to do anything. When you go and listen to a man and to find where he is, Without the interrogation, where is the prejudgment? I find it very, very weird that anybody will postulate that we are prejudging anything. So the one at the center 
of the controversies who we want to know. That's all we did this morning. Mm. We got into their premises. We listened to what they were doing. We looked at their state-of-the-art technology and the rest of it. We were just okay with it for the moment. Now, let's leave the president to finish his work. And then we'll bring the uh, company before um, the committee. And then we'll interrogate uh, them properly. We will do so by robing in um, uh, Ghana Revenue Authority. And most probably, too, you will see how their work dovetails into MPA's work. This is what we're, we're trying to do. Mm. So if you take, if you like, this superficial engagement as a full and detailed interrogation, I'm afraid that judgment is poor. We've not pre-charged anything. We've not determined anything. We've not come to any conclusion. If you care to know, they've not even requested that we should see now the, 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 the content of the contract. They've mm. not, not done any of those things. And that will be serious interrogation, whether there's value for money and the rest of it. But we leave the good sense of the president to do what he's doing. Thereafter, it will not be bad as a committee of parliament to pry into these matters. And you said that looking at the work they've done so far, uh, between the period that SML started work with GRA and what they've done so far, the difference is quite clear, giving indication that they may be doing more in terms of revenue generation for the GRA. Well, they are rolling numbers, you know, and every politician will do that. G- GDP of Mahama is known, GDP of Akufa, so they are just trying to look at what used to be and what is it now, just to uh, project the fact that they are not trying to hide behind anything, they will not disguise themselves in any way, but they are just numbers-driven and data-based. It's a fine in good time, you'll bring all the data you have before this um, committee of parliament, and then you'll be interrogated properly. And what is the way that is, but what they showed us, um, you just have to um, relax about it until I mean, you, you do the proper interrogation. And then all those who believe that, oh, this is a very foul arrangement, they'll be invited before the committee mm-hmm. to present your side of the story. That is how a committee should work, you know. If you didn't want a uh, 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 silent listener. But those who believe that, oh, this is a ripoff, this is going to really, really mess up the economy and the rest of it, will be offered the opportunity to, I mean, put their case across and they will do a proper interrogation of the matter and come to conclusions. And Mr. Tejan, when is the proof starting? Sorry? Uh, when are you hoping that all the interest parties will appear before the committee? Right after the president's I mean, work. You know, the president is uh, equally intelligent to say that I'm not going to sit in Jubilee House mm. and come to conclusions. And that's what I was warning people against. The president was sufficiently intelligent. And let me give it to the experts to go into the audit of what they did and then bring me a report. Then with a professional judgment, um, I'll be able to come to some conclusions. I believe when the discourse of the nation is that way, mm. it will help. But don't sit down there in your in your house and believe that you understand all that is happening in my law firm, so at and you want to come to some determinations without information mm. and data and evidence. And that is a bad governance system to run away from. So we will do we'll do something in that light, but we'll call everybody who matters.
to bring evidence, and then and then we'll be able to come to terms with what is happening. We understand. We know, for example, that the KPMG, KPMG. The, the sound is terrible. I'm, I'm barely hearing you say. I, I'm sorry, and I'm hoping that my technical team can work on it. But I was asking, KPMG was given up until the 23rd of February to present a report. The, the, the date has elapsed. And do you have any understanding where the report is? Is the report coming to you, or the president will have to take a decision on it before uh, the, the report is presented to the committee? Yeah, you, re- you remember that uh, um, KPMG uh, did not meet the presidential deadline. Remember, yes, and the president enlarged time for them to bring the report. Mm. So I'm sure they are on the verge of doing so. In fact, the, 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 the new deadline was the 23rd of February, and then thereafter we also look at the report because, as a matter of fact, when we say we can commandeer every document, we have mm. the power of a high court to commandeer every document of consequence, and because we've not said, we've not even asked for. If you like the the contract, which is governing uh, SML and Ghana Revenue Authority, I wanted to see who are these people, mm. where are they located, what do they do, and uh, what is their mandate and the rest of it. That's all. a very very superficial engagement, mm. and and that is what we wanted to do, just to give us a background understanding of the people we might want to deal with in the future. And today you had the opportunity to look at your facility. Is it a transparent process that even, even before you do the formal probing, is a, is a process so transparent that we can come to a conclusion to say that our interest as a state is being protected? Well, if, if you pay regard to the facility, I'm told that uh, it's a world-class facility. It will amaze you to see some things that is... To that ordinarily you might not know that when even um, cargo is being discharged and the rest of it, they can look at it and, and monitor it and the rest of it. And even project the, the revenues that are due Ghana Revenue Authority. I mean, we have been bleeding in terms of revenue. So if you have a Ghanaian undertaking of this nature that is able to plug the loopholes so that we have optimum revenue, let's see when all is said and done, that whether it is a rip-off or uh, it's one of the ways that people want to undermine good undertakings. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Touch. And we are all waiting uh, to, to, to witness the start of this investigation. And then the questions that have been asked, we the hope that the committee will answer to all those questions that have been put in the public domain, especially relating to the contracts of SML and the Ghana Revenue Authority. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon. My joy, as always, and uh, I think you also want to be interested in what we might want to do and give us some ideas as well. Joy, FM. Thank you very much, Mr. Samuel Atacha. He is the chairman of the Mines and Energy Committee in Parliament, and the committee, as you heard him say, they're waiting for the KPMG report, uh, audit report, on the work done by SML and the Ghana, for the Ghana Revenue Authority, and then they can start their formal probe. But today, they paid, they paid, a, they paid a visit uh, to the SML facility at Tema, and that's what we spoke to him about. To so some other stories, I'm, and I'm born to a trader and a farmer in a small community near Aquatia in the eastern region. 30-year-old Dr. Alice Amega has emerged as a global skills development specialist and advocate with a strong determination to give back to her community, country, and the world. 
despite her background, she got a first-class degree from the University of Ghana and a scholarship to, to attend the prestigious Oxford University for her master's and obtain her doctorate from the University of Cambridge before the age of 30. Dr. Alice Amega NGO Education and Aspiration Hub recently returned to her home region to introduce 500 girls to science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, as well as technical vocational education, also known as STEM and TV. We plans to reach more individuals in the days ahead. Marcel Abogba has more in this report. A ceremony at the respected University of Cambridge as Dr. Alice Amaga received her doctorate degree after her PhD studies. Alice Amiga. From humble beginnings to what many describe as the pinnacle of education. I am Alice Amiga. A proactive and determined young Ghanaian who believes in the power of education. In this video, a young Alice Amega shares her passion for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, technical, vocational education training, STEM, TVET. Before age 30, she worked on youth career guidance, youth counseling, and skills development with national regional and international organizations such as the Commission for TVETs, the World Bank Group, UNESCO, and more. In this interview, she talked about her humble beginnings and how education helped her to attain her dreams. And I myself coming from a background that is largely from rural context in Eastern Region, um, a community called Boedria, very close to Akwetia, but Akwetia, Boedria. Boedria. Yes, Boedria. And so in honor of my own journey as a young woman coming from being first generation um, university graduate, um, going on to University of Oxford to do my um, master's degree in comparative and international education, okay. and then going to University of Cambridge to do my PhD in education. I decided to specialize in education. It is quarter past nine and 500 girls drawn from various senior high schools have gathered for the STEM TVET Awareness Day organized by Dr. Lisa Beguet's NGO Education and Inspirations Hub. The event aims to inspire girls to pursue careers in science, technology, engineering, mathematics and technical vocational education training STEM TVET. There's also a practical session to introduce them to the field. As the event unfolds, various speakers take the stage to emphasize the importance of STEM TVET for girls. Director of Programs Afiak Benyu encouraged the students to consider STEM TVET as a viable career option, highlighting the underrepresentation of women in these fields. We look forward to inspiring all of you that are gathered here to consider STEM TVET as an option, as a career path. And this is because, for most often, the statistics tell us that there are few females in this sector. Even though there are vast opportunities there, there are few females in this sector. There's also the misconception of what TVET is about. And so it makes it difficult for a lot of young women to want to explore that as an option. 
you will be exposed to the various career options that are here. And I hope that you take advantage to be skilled. What was the slogan? To be skilled, to be empowered, and capable. Now you are going to be skilled. A member of parliament for Akwitia, Kenny Adombwachi, pledged his support for the project, promising to advocate for its success. Uh, looking at the numbers, I'm very, very impressed. Uh, the attendance alone indicates that uh, uh, in the near future, we are going to have uh, multiple numbers uh, as compared to the beginning of this particular program. Co-founder of the You welcome back to the show. Now, the Ghana Metro Service has begun a climate change awareness campaign themed the, uh, at the front line of climate action. What is it about and how can we be part of it? Well, joining me in the studio with some answers are Cecilia Isiado Abuajua, who is the public relations personnel at GMET, and Felicity Ahia Frenyon, chairperson, Metro Awareness Man. So, you welcome to the post. Right, so let's, let, let's talk about awareness, man. Why has it become so necessary? Yes, um, thanks so much and uh, good evening to uh, all our viewers mm. and listeners. Um, it has become so necessary for GMET to come up with uh, a campaign or a project or mm. something that we want to showcase the product that we have at our desk. Uh, most times, once we are done, the focus is there. After an event, a disaster, then the public comes back to us that we didn't know. Mm. So we've put it upon ourselves that what can we do to help shape the understanding of uh, the fellow Ghanaians in mm. the society. So every year we do celebrate the, uh, the, awareness, the awareness month. month uh, mm. But then in the previous years, it was just on a single day, 23rd, which was assigned to us by the World Meteorological Organization. So last year we said, no, let's expand it. Let's go beyond the one day. So we did almost uh, almost 10 days activities within the month of March, starting from 1st to the 31st. So 2024 also, we are also coming up uh, to showcase all the product that we have. We know it's more technical. People right. don't understand the So technology. break it down for us. So we want to use the month to educate the market women, mm -hmm. educate the farmers, the laymen, anybody should be able to understand our meteorological terms when mm -hmm. we bring out the forecast, the morning, the afternoon, the evening, what it means so that we can take it up and then put it into practice. So, so, so the, the activities for the month, work us through some of them. Okay, so for the 1st of March, we are anticipating a launch. Every event has to proceed, or before we start any event, we mm -hmm. have to launch it. And so we are looking at launching it on the 1st of March. We are also looking at, after releasing, we'll be releasing our seasonal forecast for 2024 on the same day. So after that, we are looking forward to going down to the very um, vulnerable communities for instance, last year we experienced the Akosombo Dam spillage right. and there were issues of we not warning our viewers or the vulnerable, these vulnerable communities. So we are Ahead of the spillage. To, yes. Mm -hmm. We are looking forward to taking the seasonal forecast down to them so that we actually educate them more about it so that they get to understand it and then prepare. Because according to a 2021 State of the Climate Report for Africa, over 60% or about 60% of people do not have access to early warnings. 
And so this year, we are looking forward to intensifying the early warnings. So, so, so somebody will, will ask about, I mean, why is it so important for me to, first of all, appreciate the weather, first of all, to be informed about the weather pattern, first of all, to get daily updates on, on, on the weather and how the weather affects my daily life? Yes, um, it's so important. Uh, back in the days, we are not so concerned about weather because our weather, we don't have any um, distractions, massive distractions like how it happens in Europe or mm. America or Asia continent. But ours is like rainstorms here and there. But now you've realized that things are changing. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've realized that the extreme events are increasing in terms of frequency and then in terms of the climate variation to it also keeps changing. So you need to know what is happening on daily basis on the seasonal scale or even on the weekly scale so that you can plan your activities. For instance, um, we said the, 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 we are in a um, hardship uh, situation. The weather is extremely warm this And then the weather is extremely warm or hot. We will put it mm. hot during the okay. daytime. So if I don't know and I get up and then I put on a suit and I have to do my activities in the sun, you can just imagine the heat stress that that will cause. Mm. So if you know that today Accra temperatures are going to be 36 degrees Celsius, so that will inform you that, okay, let me go in with a light uh, a colored uh, dresses so that I can be able to do it. And then also if there is a storm coming, mm. And uh, per the forecast, we are telling you that, okay, the storm will come in the afternoon between 12 and then 6 p.m. So you are preconditioned. You are aware that, yes, between this time, a storm is coming. So any activities that you want to do, you quickly know how to go about it. And then you'll be able to save cost. You'll be able to save um, time, too. Mm -hmm. So it becomes so necessary. For every uh, Ghanaian, wherever you find yourself mm. in Ghana, you must try as much as possible to get the weather forecast on daily basis. For the seasonal scale, there are farmers. Some parts last year, the season was too bad. Mm. And if some of them were to get to know, they would have planned it by the government intervention that has to do with uh, irrigation uh, yes. programs. You will know that, okay, this year my area will not be so good for in terms of rainfall performances. So let me see the alternative that is there to help me mm. achieve my yield for the season. So that one is also there. When it comes to the construction firms, as somebody you come out, you've missed your concrete and everything, then all of a sudden... There's rain. So if you are mixing 100 bags of cement, mm -hmm. that means it, it will all go to waste. So if you know, you now plan it so that if today the storm is coming, you don't have to uh, do any activities in terms of construction, mortar or mace, whatever waste, then you just do your activities. The, so, so, so this morning, for example, when I, when I went on the website, the first story I saw was a warning from Ghana Metro, warning about the weather today and the fact that people should take notice of the, the harsh weather condition and then adapt accordingly. Now, as we want to break the terms down so that uh, everybody can appreciate and understand the language that you are communicating, especially for, for the, as you go to the market, how are you hoping to do it as we bring this conversation to a, to a close? Okay, so we are targeting the market women, like we've said earlier, the most vulnerable. We are looking at our fisher folks and looking at the farmers because 
we feel like the meteorological terms are not terms that you can really break to the minimum. The right. Minutes, the minimum. Mm -hmm. So you can only explain or engage them for them to understand. So that once the person sees any weather icon, be it mist, fog patches, rain, cloudy, the person is able to identify. And so we've furthermore decided to do um, further engagements. Mm -hmm. We engage our meteorologists over there for them to explain some of the sectors that we use in coming up with our forecast. So when we talk about the coastal sector, these are the areas we are looking at. So that once the farmer looks at it, he or she knows that I'm within the coastal sector. And so this particular weather condition, condition is going to affect me. Let me give you the final words. Yes, so this year we want every Ghanaian, all our stakeholders, everybody, the media, uh, we want you to come on board. You have been helping us so, so, so well. So, but then this year we want you to come on board and help make MAM 2024 a better one. We want mm -hmm. to reach everybody. But then uh, we are looking for money. So, please, <laughs> all the institutions, please. They should, they should come. They should bring something small. Yes, come and help us. It's for the for the betterment of the country. Because if a disaster in terms of weather-related happens now, everything will come to a halt. So this is the time that we should educate. We don't want to... What happened at Mefe should mm. repeat itself. Mm -hmm. So please come and help GMET so that we'll be able to make MAM 2024 a memorable one. Thank you so much for coming through. And we've been looking ahead of the uh, Weather Awareness Month. Meteorological Awareness yes, Month. Met yes, Meteorological Awareness Month. Well, folks, so you, you, you've been listening to Cecilia Siedua Bwajib, who is a public relations personnel at GMET, and of course, Felicity Ahinyafenyo, uh, chairperson. That's it for today's edition of The Pulse. Tomorrow is Tuesday. We'll bring you the State of the Nation Address presentation live on Joy News. For more stories, log on to our website, myjoyonline.com stories. We don't have an economy, so what is you going to advise? That's PNM on Foriata's new appointments as Senior Presidential Advisor on the Economy. My name is Elton Brobe. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC.